Good morning. Today's headlines, a federal judge appoints a special master to review documents seized from Mar-a-Lago. Both the Justice Department and former President Trump's legal team agreed the candidate was right for the role. California Governor Gavin Newsom asks the Department of Justice whether kidnapping charges can be filed against Governors Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott for transporting illegal immigrants. President Joe Biden announces a $600 million arms package for Ukraine. Meanwhile, Pope Francis says he's okay with countries supplying weapons to Ukraine to help the country defend itself. 47 members of Congress asked the Department of Defense to end its COVID-19 vaccine mandate. They expressed their concern about the readiness of the U.S. Armed Forces and the mandate's effect on recruitment in a joint letter Thursday. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Friday. That's my personal favorite day of the week. And September 16th. It's good to have you with us. And for uh, first, we're looking at some updates from the Mar-a-Lago raid. The federal judge appointed a special master on Thursday to review materials the FBI seized in the search of former President Trump's home. Senior Judge Raymond Deary will serve as an independent arbiter. He is asked with deciding if any of the seized documents are privileged and should be off limits to federal investigators. Deary was the only candidate, candidate excuse me, for the role that both the Justice Department and Trump's legal team agreed on. The DOJ previously argued that Trump lacked standing to ask for the appointment of a special master because the records belong to the government. They also said Trump doesn't have a valid claim to executive privilege because the DOJ is within the executive branch. But those arguments were rejected. U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon also rejected the Justice Department's bid to resume its criminal investigation into classified documents seized in the raid. Now the DOJ plans to appeal. Trump maintains he did no wrong and has repeatedly stated that as president, he had a standing declassification order on materials taken to Mar-a-Lago. He has been ordered to pay the costs for the special master. The Justice Department was opposed to the special master inspecting records with classified markings. Judge Cannon disagreed and she directed Deary to prioritize classified documents in his review. The special master has been given a deadline of November 30th to complete his work. Over to Jackson, Mississippi, where officials say tap water is now safe to use. That's after close to two months of residents being forced to boil it before drinking it or even brushing their teeth. But Jackson's mayor says the city's water system still needs big repairs that the city can't afford on its own. Here's Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves. Moving forward, we will continue to monitor the system. Additional testing will be administered to ensure continued water quality. Since the state of Mississippi stepped in to fix Jackson's water system, we've significantly increased the quantity of water produced We've restored water pressure to the city. We've installed an emergency rental pump. We fixed and reinstalled broken parts on site. And we've monitored and tested water quality. Baby formula should be ready to feed or prepared using only filtered water or bottled water. These precautions will remain in place until the city of Jackson makes the necessary corrosion control corrections to the system. 
The state health department official says although recent testing showed no lead or lead below the action levels set by the EPA, households with pregnant women and young children should continue to avoid using city water. Problems started after torrential rainfall in the area. The quality of the raw water entering Jackson's treatment plants was changed. That slowed the treatment process and depleted supplies, causing water pressure to drop. Because of the low pressure, untreated groundwater had the potential to enter the water system through cracked pipes. People were told to boil water to kill potentially harmful bacteria. Jackson struggles with aging infrastructure with water lines that could crack or, that crack or collapse. The city's mayor says the water problems come from decades of neglect. And in other news, 47 members of Congress sent a joint letter to the Department of Defense on Thursday asking for an immediate end to its COVID-19 vaccine mandate. They expressed concern about the readiness of the U.S. armed forces and the mandate's effect on recruitment. In the letter, they noted that around 8% of the U.S. Army's approximately 1 million soldiers are facing expulsion for refusing to be vaccinated, and that the Army has only met 52% of its 2022 fiscal year recruiting goal. The members of Congress state they see the vaccine mandate as the primary cause of the department's recruiting problem. According to the CDC, over 40% of men aged between 18 and 24 refused vaccination for COVID-19. And in the southern U.S., where half of the nation's enlistments are, that number is over 50%. Lawmakers also asked for updated information about the number of unvaccinated service members, as well as the number of soldiers that filed or were granted exemptions for religious or medical reasons, among other current data. And speaking of vaccines, the Republican Party of Florida is looking to take legal action against a Florida TV station. The station refused to let a U.S. House candidate enter their studio for a debate because of his vaccination status. A law firm representing the Florida GOP and its candidate for Congress, Scott Moore, Scotty Moore, asked the Florida Department of Health to investigate on Thursday. The Florida station WESH2 was acting on the corporate policy of its parent company, Hearst Television. Lawyers say the station violated a state law which says businesses cannot require individuals to provide proof of COVID-19 vaccination to gain access or entry. They're also asking the station be, to be investigated for requiring their employees to receive the COVID-19 vaccine without providing certain exemptions. The station could face fines of up to $5,000 for each violation. Over in California, Governor Gavin Newsom has asked the Department of Justice whether kidnapping charges can be filed against Governors Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott. This after DeSantis had illegal immigrants flown to Martha's Vineyard and Abbott had them dropped off at a bus outside Kamala's, Kamala Harris's D.C. residence. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more. In a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland posted on Twitter, Newsom claims that several of the individuals transported to Martha's Vineyard alleged that a recruiter made false promises to them. These include promises that they would be transported to Boston and would receive expedited access to work authorization. Newsom went on to ask the Department of Justice to open an investigation into the matter. DeSantis had this to say on the transport of illegal immigrants. We're not a sanctuary state, and it's better to be able to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction. And yes, we will help facilitate that transport for you to be able to go to greener pastures. 
At the heart of the dispute is the question of whether our borders are secure. Earlier this week on NBC's Meet the Press, Vice President Kamala Harris was asked if America's southern border is secure. We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But just a few days later, Texas Governor Greg Abbott sent two busloads of illegal immigrants to D.C., dropping them off in front of Kamala's house. DeSantis has said these efforts highlight the hypocrisy of so-called sanctuary states. All those people in D.C. and New York were beating their chests when Trump was president, saying they were so proud to be sanctuary jurisdictions, saying how bad it was to have a secure border. The minute even a small fraction of what those border towns deal with every day is brought to their front door, they all of a sudden go berserk. And they're so upset that this is happening. And it just shows you, you know, their virtue signaling is a fraud, okay? President Biden strongly condemned the actions of DeSantis and Abbott. Instead of working with us on solutions, Republicans are playing politics with human beings, using them as props. What they're doing is simply wrong. It's un-American. It's reckless. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. But White House spokesperson Karine Jean-Pierre says the process is broken. We get it. It's a, it's a, it's a fundamental uh, long-term issue. Uh, it is a broken system. Others, such as Senator John Cornyn, view the actions of DeSantis and Abbott as an effective ploy to draw attention to a serious issue. It's a terrific idea. Um, I don't know how else to get President Biden's and Vice President Harris's attention to the broken borders uh, that we have in uh, Texas and all across U.S.-Mexico border. No matter what the outcome is, some in Martha's Vineyard really appreciate the new company and seem to relish the opportunity to make a difference. The people, our guests that are here, they are so kind and they are like they give you a hug and it just feels so good because you know that they appreciate like everything that we're giving them. So I, I am, I'm literally just running on adrenaline and love. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And moving away from politics now, Uber had a cybersecurity breach. A hacker broke into Uber's computer systems and shared evidence of the breach. Uber says it reached out to law enforcement about the incident on Thursday. There was no indication that Uber's fleet of vehicles or its operation was in any way affected. An engineer that communicated with the hacker says source code and customer data were most likely compromised. It's believed the hacker was interested in gaining publicity and didn't do any damage to the system. The hacker alerted security researchers and engineers to, to the intrusion by using an internal Uber account to comment on security vulnerabilities. He then gave them a Telegram account ad address and engaged in a conversation where he shared screenshots to prove he broke in. Uber employees are working to lock down the system and restrict the hacker's access. Coming up, President Biden authorizes a $600 million arms package for Ukraine, and Pope Francis is okay with that. And Ukraine has addressed the need for more air defense systems and longer-range missiles. Russia says any attempt to supply Ukraine with longer-range missiles crosses a red line. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. President Biden announced a new $600 million arms package for Ukraine. The package is intended to help the Ukrainian military battle Russia. 
Biden authorized the assistance using his presidential drawdown authority. That enables the president to approve the transfer of excess weapons from U.S. stocks. The Pentagon says the package of weapons includes high-mobility artillery rocket systems, night vision goggles, claymore mines, mine-clearing equipment, artillery rounds, and precision-guided artillery rounds. The White House also reports the money will be used for military education and training. Washington has sent about $15 billion in security assistance to the Kiev government since Russia's invasion. Pope Francis on Thursday said it is morally legitimate for nations to supply weapons to Ukraine to help the country defend itself from Russian aggression. He spoke to reporters aboard a plane returning from a three-day trip to Kazakhstan. The war in Ukraine provided the backdrop to the Pope's visit there. He had attended a Congress of Religious Leaders from around the world. A reporter asked if it was morally right for countries to send weapons to Ukraine during an in-flight news conference. He expounded on the Roman Catholic Church's just war principles, which allowed for the proportional use of deadly weapons for self-defense against an aggressor nation. It can be immoral if the intention is provoking more war or to sell arms or dump arms that a country no longer needs. The motivation is what in large part qualifies the morality of this action. Defending yourself is not only something lawful, but it is also an expression of love toward the homeland. Those who do not defend themselves, those who don't defend something, don't love it. Instead, those who defend, love. The industry of weapons is a killer's business. Somebody who understands statistics told me that if for a year weapons were not made, we could solve the problem of hunger in the whole world. I don't know if that is true or not, but hunger, education, we can't invest in them because we have to make weapons. Pope Francis also urged Kyiv to be open to eventual dialogue, even though it may be hard to stomach. And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says air defense systems are a priority to protect against Russian airstrikes. Russia, on the other hand, is warning against supplying Ukraine with longer-range missiles, saying it would be crossing a red line. Entities cost him an S reports. An attempt to supply Ukraine with longer-range missiles for its war effort would represent a red line for Moscow. This according to a statement by Russia's foreign ministry Thursday. The U.S. currently supplies Ukraine with rockets that can hit targets up to 50 miles away. It hasn't yet confirmed publicly whether it will send rockets that can hit twice that range or more. Meanwhile, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky was back in Kiev to meet European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen after a surprise visit to Izium a day earlier. Earlier this week, Ukraine reported that at least a thousand residents of Izium had been killed in six months of fighting. Russia has long denied targeting civilians. Zelensky said air defense systems were a priority for his country as it attempts to protect its cities and towns from Russian strikes. We are waiting for the NASAMs which haven't been received yet, but this partially covers the issue of an air defense deficit. To add, we intend to work on this with France, Italy and Germany. I am seriously intent on, but haven't received, a definite response from Israel. He added that air defense systems promised previously by Germany and the United States had not yet arrived in Ukraine. Meanwhile, the Karachunov Reservoir Dam in central Ukraine was heavily damaged on Thursday by what officials say were Russian strikes near the town of Kriviri. Local residents used boats to get around the flooded streets. 
A local resident says the sewage systems no longer worked as he tried to sweep flood water out of his home. Kriviri, with an estimated pre-war population of 650,000, was hit by eight cruise missiles on Wednesday. Cost MNS, NTD News. Airlines have canceled half of flights scheduled for Paris today and many others that would have flown over France. It comes as a strike by air traffic controllers imposed the latest round of disruption to European air travel. Strikes and staff shortages in the past few months have forced airlines to cancel thousands of flights with disruption that will continue into autumn. On Wednesday, in preparation for the strike, Air France said it would operate fewer than half of its short and medium-range flights and 90 percent of its long-range flights. The spokesperson added that airlines had tended to cut short and medium services rather than long ones. Aviation Authority DGAC asked airlines to halve their Friday flight schedules. The air traffic control union cited inflation and its demand for more staff members as reasons for the walkout. Up next, the world's first flying bike is making its United States debut. We take a look at the bike displayed at the Detroit Auto Show. And Michael Jordan's jersey is now the most expensive piece of game-worn sports memorabilia in history. Find out how much it's sold for after the break. Good to have you back. Roger Federer, regarded by many as the greatest player to ever swing a tennis racket, will retire after next week's Labor Cup in London. Here's more. The announcement from the Swiss tennis player, who has 20 Grand Slam titles under his belt, comes less than two weeks after tennis star Serena Williams played what was likely her last competitive match. A knee injury has kept Federer from playing a match since losing at last year's Wimbledon, although many still believed he could come back for one last golden farewell. But Federer, in a Thursday Instagram post, said age has caught up to him. I am 41 years old. I've played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt, and now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. With his artistry and grace, Federer dominated men's tennis for years after winning his first Grand Slam title at Wimbledon in 2003. He took the sport to new levels during a career spanning more than two decades. I was lucky enough to play so many epic matches that I will never forget. I feel extremely grateful. Federer's career includes eight Wimbledon titles, five U.S. Open titles, six Australian crowns, and a single French Open title. He also holds the record for 237 consecutive weeks as world number one. But Federer has undergone three knee operations in the last two years. Federer will return to the tour one last time, teaming up with longtime rival and friend Rafael Nadal to play doubles next week in London. Michael Jordan's jersey from the opening game of the 1998 NBA Finals sold for over $10 million at an auction on Thursday. This makes it the most expensive piece of game-worn sports memorabilia in history. The previous record of $9.3 million was established earlier this year. That was the Hand of God jersey from Argentine soccer great Diego Maradona at Sotheby. Jordan's jersey attracted a total of 20 bids. It was also significantly higher than the record for any item of Jordan sports memorabilia. The jersey was expected to fetch three to five million at Sotheby's Invictus auction. Wow.
Kevin, you're from Chicago, right? Are you a Jordans fan? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I remember when they won their sixth NBA championship in eight years. A piece of history. And you know, Evelyn, before MJ's jersey, the highest price paid for a basketball jersey was $3.7 million. That's how much a buyer spent in May 2021 on Kobe Bryant's Los Angeles Lakers jersey worn in his rookie year. Wow, what a sum. And what are sports without a band? A marching band organization based in Palm Beach County, Florida, is working hard to set its young members on the path to success. Participation takes dedication and discipline. We spoke with the band's director to find out what's in store for the growing program. Antoine K. Miller is the founder of the Sounds of Success marching band. He says the group was created to give kids an incentive and something positive to engage in within the community. It also aims to help students get into college by teaching them music. I have helped probably over a good 2,000 kids receive scholarships to different colleges and universities. The band is also known as the SOS Warriors. The program is open to anyone from age 10 to 23. We have some kids that never played before, but the, to actually stick through what we train them to and, you know, to successfully make it through a season, that takes a true warrior. The nonprofit organization is currently fundraising through the website Fundly to travel to the UK for London Band Week in 2023. Miller hopes they can reach their goal of $500,000 so that every member can attend. He doesn't want anyone to get left behind. You never know what benefits this would give that child, and you never know what benefits it would give them to even help them in, in, in the collegiate level. Miller says the program has united his community. Sometimes we feel so sad and we can put the right song on it to make us feel so happy or make us feel uplifted. uplifted. That's the importance of music and that's what we're instilling within our kids. He hopes it can give kids opportunity, keep them off the streets and guide them in the right direction. And some more exciting news, the world's first flying bike made its United States debut on Thursday. The company that created it first started out by making drones and unmanned aerial vehicles. Let's have a look. Adrenaline, right? Of course, you have a little apprehension, but I was, I was just so amped. I feel like I'm literally like 15 years old and I just got out of Star Wars and I jumped on their bike. I mean, it's awesome. A Japanese startup called Airwinds Technologies is the creator of the hoverbike. It's capable of flying for 40 minutes and reaching speeds of up to 62 miles per hour. The vehicle is already on sale in Japan. The founder and CEO of the company says plans are underway to sell a smaller version in the U.S. in 2023. The estimated price for the American version is close to $800,000. The company hopes to get the cost down though to $50,000 for a smaller electric model by 2025. The startup plans to go public and make a stock offering on the Nasdaq exchange in November. Okay, first of all, that's going on the bucket list for sure. For and, sure. Yeah, and you know what Evelyn, he's right when he mentions Star Wars. That thing really reminds me of the Imperial speeder bike. Yeah, sounds pretty cool, and I, I would like to try, try it. I mean, the commute would definitely be so much better with that. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I'm just curious how they would regulate it. For example, they don't have some kind of air roads in place to keep people from crashing into each other. Hmm, true, air roads. What a concept.
<laughs> Exciting. But that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. As usual, remember to shoot us an email if you have any comments or ideas at goodmorning at ntd.com. That's all, that's all we have for this week. Have a great weekend. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.